Communications disruption can mean only one thing. Invasion. For the Republic! Frequency 1138 is all clear and clanker free. This is Clone Army Radio. Execute Order 66. Good soldiers follow orders. Good soldiers follow orders. I am a Jedi. Like my father before me. Begun. The Clone War has. I found them. Repeat. I found them. Cloners. Now this is Congress. We're doomed. What is up, Clone Army? Welcome back to the best accidental Star Wars podcast this side of the galaxy. We're just simple clones making our way. Like our father before us. <laughs> one day, one day people will see the fun I have as my my Palpatine powers here. I fall I, for it every single time. I know. I'm sorry. It, it's the fun I have. I don't, I don't know. It's it is what it is. <laughs> hey, Sarah, Sarah. <laughs> uh, welcome back, everybody. As mostly usual, I'm John, and I'm joined by Charlie. Hello. Lito is uh, still on hiatus. We miss him. Nah. <laughs> we can't. We cannot. We simply cannot bully him every I know, every I single know. time we start the show, and he's not here. I mean, we're getting pretty close to 40 years of friendship, so I feel like I can say whatever I want to, to him at this Actually, point. yeah, that's true. <laughs> I can't. It's only been like a year for me, but you, go ahead. But you'd probably get a pass before I would. He'd get mad at me, but because you're still a newer friend, I think he would give you a pass. Oh, but then I'd feel bad. I'd feel, I couldn't, I couldn't be me. Not really. It's never real mean. It's just fun. <laughs> just got to poke a little. But I feel like we've done this uh, a few times now, but it's kind of like a smorgasbord week of, of it Star is Wars. Another, I, I was so hoping you'd bring that up. It is indeed another <laughs> smorgasbord week of Star Wars. Which I think people have been digging yeah. when we do these kind of weeks. Because it's, you know, there's not a ton going on in Star Wars right now, but there's still little bits little tidbits and uh i don't know where you really wanted to start charlie but i feel like we should come out with um that cameo in the acolyte see since that gave like you provided the biggest reaction in the form of emojis i've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life from someone i do think we should start with the cameo i have not seen enough people talking about this right. i don't know if it's just slipped under people's radar or Forbes released an article detailing some information about Acolyte, which updates what we already know, and I'll get to that in a sec. But it has been revealed that none other than star of The Matrix and basically every amazing cool film ever, Keanu Reeves, will have a cameo in Acolyte. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It has to happen. I mean, he's been in everything. Everything he's in is good, as far as yep. I can tell. Anything I've seen him in is great. So He has been fan-casted for every major Star Wars villain for as mm. long as I can remember being like a current <laughs> Star Wars fan. Yeah, especially Darth Revan. So. Exactly. This is what the fans are thinking. This is what people have been theorizing, that if they're going to do Revan, then it's probably got to be the guy who's been fan-cast for Revan for so long. 
Mm-hmm. And of course, Revan wouldn't be alive in this no. be- unless they change all kinds of stuff. But I mean, he's like thousands of years before the Skywalker stuff. So it would have to be like you, I think, had suggested like a like a holocron or, you know, something like that. But how cool would that be to see him with his Revan costume on obviously with a mask off so you could see that it would be Keanu and and he's you know uh, because Darth Bane finds and I know Darth Bane's books aren't canonized either which is a shame because they're amazing but he finds a a Darth Revan holocron so this could work into that somehow that somebody in the Acolyte stumbles across this because aren't they supposed to be doing like archaeological searches or something um Showrunner Leslie Hedlund has revealed that it takes place roughly a hundred years before the Phantom Menace. Okay. So no physical Revan, but very much a possibility of some kind of hologram, some kind of message, um, potentially even, I don't know if it works this way, but like a force ghost, some kind of apparition. Mm. That'd be so cool. I mean, if he doesn't end up being Revan and he's somebody else, fine. Mm-hmm. Keanu in Star Wars just works. But... Yes, massively. But yeah, I mean, everybody's been begging for him to play that character, so I I would love it. I I texted my brother about that when you when you <laughs> messaged, and my brother's like, "Why does that sound like it would be so perfect, like him playing Revan?" And I'm like, "Because it would be. It just it works. I love Keanu. It absolutely works." Also in this article, the budget for the series has been revealed, and it is $5.5 million more than Solo, at a whopping $49.2 million of budget. A budget higher than a theatrical theatrical film. Yeah. That's impressive. Because it's only, I'm assuming, like the typical eight-episode series, right? I'm guessing, yeah. Possibly eight to 12, maybe, a push, but I doubt it. I don't know if it'll be as long as Andor was. I hope not. Hey. Come on. Andor could have been nine episodes long and it no. would have been fine. No. no. Andor needed to be exactly as long as it was. I mean, I guess it had some good napping spots. <laughs> I'm pretty sure every single episode of our Andor cover starts with, yeah, I was watching it and then I like fell asleep halfway through, so I just like finished it. Well, whatever. I have to take my jabs. It really, I mean, Andor was good. Whatever. It just had some really really slow burning spots that (laughs) that took me to a place of sleep that's fair but yeah that's that's insane though for a show to have a higher budget than a film Mm -hmm. i would think that's not very common well um amanda stenberg who played rue in the hunger games uh is in it uh lee jung jay who was in uh like netflix's hit squid game um carrie ann moss who plays Trinity in The Matrix, which is right. why I'm assuming Keanu Reeves has also been brought in. I know they do a lot of, like, they cameo kind of together as a pair, mm-hmm. as they should. The Matrix is an incredible set of films. I watched it once and it changed my whole life. The first one was so good. Oh, my god, So, so good. So good. And uh, according to Variety magazine, the series takes place in the High Republic era of the Star Wars universe, 100 years before the franchise's prequel trilogy. The height of the Galactic Empire this period is also known as the Golden Age of the Jedi, a time when the Ancient Order was at its peak. Did you hear that, um, you probably have heard it, that the Jedi are kind of looked at as the villains in this series? Mm. And I heard a bunch of people, like, I mean, people complain about everything, but... (laughs) They've said from the start that this is going to be more 
did they say Sith focused or something dark side focused or something? I think more dark side and kind of Sith focused or at least kind of blurring the lines of good guy and bad guy. Those very kind of clear boundaries that George set in sort of the original storytelling. So, I mean, it would make sense that we're seeing, we'll just call it Sith for the sake Mm -hmm. of my explanation uh we're seeing a sith point of view here so of course the jedi would be the bad guys to them they hate the jedi so yes i saw people like oh they're changing everything lucas did and all this other calm down have a beer or some bourbon or something take a couple deep breaths and just chill this is how they're telling the story it's it's like these uh the books the from a certain point of view you're seeing it Mm -hmm. from these people's view just like the jedi of course the jedi are going to see the sith as evil because oh i mean the sith are kind of evil but you know what i mean it it just we're just seeing another side of it which i'm interested to see how that plays out are evil from the jedi's perspective and we have only ever really entertained star wars from a jedi's perspective right and now i think it's it's interesting to take that kind of put that shoe on the other foot for want Mm -hmm. of a better word yeah I think I think that'll make it more interesting and just to see a whole other side of things. Also, this is a really good place to bring this point up. I've also seen people, not many people, but obviously there is always Star Wars discourse talking about how they're tired of going backwards. They want to move into the future. One of the things George set out with the original movies and then going and doing the prequels afterwards was the idea that you are moving back and forth along a timeline. Mm. You're never staying in one place. You're never going in a linear direction from one story to the next. It's this constant back and forth. And I think Kathleen Kennedy specifically has done a really, really good job of catching we've been getting recently because we're all over the place. The timeline stays the same. We're just in different parts in a different order. And I think that's one of the really beautiful things about Star Wars as a franchise. Yeah, that makes sense. And makes I think, me really excited for Acolyte. I think I've been one of those people that have complained about like going, well, I not like totally to the past though. No. Um, because I would love to see Knights of the Old Republic and that kind of shit. And, and the only thing is, is I don't know if I'd want to see them just remake the actual stories of the games, like maybe just in that era, do other stories and, you know, mm-hmm. include those people. But, but I do in a lot of ways want to see what happens after the sequel trilogy like where do they go from there oh, and we will absolutely you know we're supposed to at least if you know those movie that movie happens but it would be cool to see more things in the future but whatever i mean just tell good stories like uh rural farm boy always says <laughs> just tell me a good story you know <laughs> just I mean, tell me a good story yeah and that's all that really matters so I've been back and forth with the Acolyte. Sometimes I'm excited about it. Sometimes I'm not. But a lot of the newer news that's come out about it has really pushed me in the the excited direction. Like, I'm committed, I think, to my excitement to, for it. Not just because of the possibility of seeing Keanu in it. <laughs> that helps. Like, 100 years before The Phantom Menace. That sounds like a really cool starting point that is a that is a nice little pocket to slip into as well i'm i'm all for like a hundred years that's a that's a good number for me yeah we know the sith have never really disappeared like you know the jedi i think mace windu says they've been extinct for a millennia they're not really extinct they're still there they're just working in the shadows so this kind of gives us a a dip into that a little bit i think and and that'll be fun 
I'm looking forward to it. Plus, there's a a Wookiee with a man bun. I think that's hilarious. Or no, a top knot. Same difference, but you know. Yeah. How can we all? I'm so. I'm just. I'm very excited to see the Wookiee with a top knot. If people are interested, you can find um, quite a lot of behind the scenes and on set shots that have been leaked from Acolyte. If you want to get an idea of kind of the aesthetics, the costuming, it's very very cool. Absolutely. Was there anything else about the Acolyte? There or was. There so was. We had a we had a very lovely message from a fan, right. a listener, who mentioned something very interesting, which actually ties into Acolyte after I did a little bit of digging. So they said, I sincerely hope they don't mind us reading this out. Hi, Clonami Radio crew, what's up? I have some very exciting Star Wars news that is very exclusive and very exciting. I was visiting my friends in Northumberland. I'm a Brit just like Charlie. Big up Northumberland. And we were sat down at a table in a restaurant and the topic of Star Wars came up. As my friend's mum is an author, she had a friend who also was a writer. But her friend was a bit different because she was a Star Wars writer. Apparently, she told them that there was going to be a new Star Wars film slash show, she wasn't sure, under the name of The Force. She said that it was being filmed in Madeira, which is an island near Portugal. Now, I put two and two together and figured that due to the name, this could be the name of a Star Wars movie about the origin of the Jedi announced at Celebration. It could also be something completely different, though. Anyways, I thought you'd find that interesting, and I'd love it if you mentioned it on a podcast. From a fellow Star Wars fan and Clone Army Radio fan, Alex, may the force be with you. Thank you very much, Alex. Yeah, thank you, Alex. So... There has been filming for Star Wars on Madeira Island. This was spotted a couple of months ago. Some very eagle-eyed fans in the area took some pictures and uh, there's lots of greenery and uh, um, ramps and platforms. And it seems to be that this is in fact filming for Acolyte. It seems to be what's confirmed. Um, Several confirmed cast members have been spotted on set. I think this is also where the pictures of our favourite Top Knot Wookiee came from. So I'm Mm. wondering if the Force just happens to be like one of the code names for the show as a way of kind of keeping it on the down low. Keeping people from seeking out the sets to take pictures like they do anyways. Yes, (laughs) which people have done anyway because people are nosy. Oh, yeah. In fact, the news that Acolyte was filming in Madeira was in fact posted by Madeira Island News. So Mm. they couldn't keep it quiet for a second. They were far (laughs) too excited, as they should be. I mean, yeah, really. That's like when the Avengers filmed in Cleveland. Like, we were all losing our... They were no longer. ...over it, so... What? You didn't know that? No? I think it was the first Avengers movie that they they filmed some stuff here. Yeah. Oh yeah, because there's loads of um, there's loads of places in America that they use as like not New York, because obviously mm-hmm. you can't film in New York, so because yeah. a lot of the architecture is similar. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so it, I mean, when there's stuff like that, it's hard to keep it quiet. So oh, of course, yeah. Star Wars, Marvel, they're both huge. Mm-hmm. It's exciting, but uh, okay, so it's not the Dawn of the Jedi film. Situation. No, I don't think so. I'm assuming. When that was announced at Celebration, Kathleen Kennedy said that it was about six weeks away from being done. And I'm pretty sure the strikes have coincided with those six weeks. Actually, maybe, maybe not. I thought that was but the obviously, Oh, the Ray movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. The Dawn of the Jedi yeah. movie. Yeah. Hmm. I don't think they even started pre-production no. the Dawn of the Jedi one. So that's why I was a little like with the strikes going on. I was kind of like, well, there's no way they'd even be able to film right now so no. but no i mean and 
any sense, you know, good looking out, Alex, and, and sending that info to us. That oh, got, I, we really appreciate it, Alex. Thank you for the insider information as well. That got Charlie hot on the, the keyboard to find it out did. everything. I was, so. I was on it. <laughs> Hell yeah. And, I was and on keep, it like a scent hound. Keep messaging us too. I love when, uh, I love when people like message us with information. That's fun. Also yeah. a fellow Brit, which I appreciate, makes me happy. Right. I'm gathering them. I force everyone who walks into my cafe that I work into to um to listen to the show. So whether they're Star Wars fans or not. <laughs> I know we gotta get some freaking stickers or something made, but one of these days I'll I'll get on that. Yeah. I'm one just day. never I'm just never like settled on like a definite definitive logo for our show anymore. Like I like to change it all the time, so isn't that the bane of being a creative, though? You're yeah. never quite satisfied. For real. God, that's true. Kind of wanted to jump into this other big one since we're kind of on topic with uh, talking about strikes and, yes. and things. I've seen on a couple of different sites now, but it uh, was on, let me find it here, Deadline. Deadline.com. So apparently the WGA and AM, Jesus, AMPTP will be resuming negotiations this Friday. Today's Wednesday. Uh, according to an article, oh, according to an article, but deadline. The strike began on May 2nd. Today's August 2nd. So we're like right at 100 days. It's going to be a little over 100 days when they sit down to talk. I personally think that it's just going to be like a first step to kind of quote Obi-Wan in The Phantom Menace. I don't think the negotiations are going to be short. I mean, what do you think? Do you think they'll be, I don't, I kind of hope that the writers stand their ground and, and not give in to the cocky SOBs. It's, it's a big fight. It is a big thing to go up against these multi-billion dollar corporations and say, I would like some more money, please, for my very valid hard work. Right. I hope that, I think because there are so many big celebrity names behind this strike i think that is good leverage to mm -hmm. for the like for the people who are striking and against the studios to not make this go on for longer than it needs to i sincerely hope they don't back down i sincerely hope there's no kind of like half half fast compromise deal that still doesn't sue anybody or help anybody right because Screw obviously that. the acting world is a kind of spectrum it's this this kind of elite at the very very top and then everyone else who's just trying to make some money and just trying to pursue a passion and it's very very hard to balance those two things because increasing paychecks and increasing money also means increasing paychecks for these celebrities who cost millions per film mm -hmm. and i can understand from a studio's perspective whilst they have seemingly infinite resources of money available it can be very hard to find that balance of what's fair yeah, they also said in, in later in the article that um, based on pretty much what we were just talking about, about how long it could be, it says there's obviously still a lot to discuss, including topics such as the minimum staffing, duration of employment, viewership-based streaming residual, and AI. Those are all huge. So, yeah, they don't want to just go in on Friday, shake hands after, you know, half hour and, and be done. No, you've got to make sure that you're covering all those bases Yep. Um, even even if whatever deal sounds good, it wouldn't happen right away anyways. You know, they'd have to take it to, to their people and discuss it and all of that. But just, I just don't want to see them give in, especially some of the stuff that these executives like Bob Iger and should have been saying 
they need to be taken down a few steps from their high horse. Oh, you know, but the downside to all of it, I think I've mentioned before, is it's all going to end up affecting us as fans because we're going to have to pay more money to see this shit. Yeah. And I and I that I hate as well. I want to see these writers get what they're worth. Obviously. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. I don't want to have to spend more money to see stuff. What does that do for me? No one's paying me more money. <laughs> you know. That's the point. Uh, Disney, can we please be paid once a month based on how much we watch things? Please and thank you. The fans should start a union. <laughs> that would, without a doubt, be the worst union ever contrived in the history of unions. <laughs> what if I run it? I got this. Yeah, you it. you go ahead and try and unite every fan <laughs> of everything ever together in one group and see how well that goes. <laughs> well, but see, I would have like, again... I would give myself unlimited power. So I see, I yeah. see. Emergency power allocated <laughs> Senate. I see. Wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> but in any sense, to allocate that to you. Yeah, it's good to see that they're actually willing to sit down and discuss. I'm surprised. I was expecting a longer stretch of no, shan't, no. Yeah, well, especially when you hear things like, like I, I do said, not like, see it. What the executives are saying. I actually heard something, and I I have no idea if it's true that the. It, one spot they were cutting trees down is that true you know cutting trees down so they're not in the shade outside paramount studios as i was saying before i was so rudely interrupted by computer problems um you are correct Uh, paramount studios outside their headquarters in the u.s there were a huge long row of trees which provided lots of shade for the protesters and they turned up on the first day and enjoyed the shade and used it and utilised it because obviously the temperatures are raring in the States at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next day they arrived, all of the trees have been chopped back. And it seems to be that that may have been quite an unfair move, allegedly, allegedly by the studios to dissuade protesters and dissuade people from participating. It did not dissuade them. They carried on. <laughs> Well, yeah, of course. But I mean, do these companies like not realize like just how bad that makes them look? Not just the people on strike to the entire world. Like you're looking like a bunch of, pardon my language, but they were no longer kind of stuff. I agree. Um, There's a very good legal legal video on it. Um, Apparently, if it was done by the studios, it may actually be illegal because I don't think it was their property. It was like street, like not Mm. council. That's not what you guys have, but like it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like part of the city. Um, yes, yes, but, it's the city's responsibility, not the studio's like permission to do that. So, an interesting choice. Yeah, there could be all kinds of backdoor stuff going on there, where they paid the city, like, oh, you know, we'll give you this much money, go trim mm-hmm. some trees for us. Ooh. Then you're getting into some really dirty mafia type of stuff. So now we're getting our tinfoil hats on, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I always have my tinfoil hat on. <laughs> I've noticed. <laughs> But no, the best of luck to the negotiators on Friday. I sincerely hope they're able to achieve an outcome that's beneficial for everybody. I agree 100%. I hope it works out well. And mm. uh, and I hope it doesn't screw us in some ways, you know, costing us more money. Uh, but it's certainly not going to cost the executives more money. They'll find ways. Conniving bastards. Anyways. Uh... <laughs> Meow. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. So I did want to jump into 
what do we have? Well, we have some outlaws, some Lando, and some Mando that we gotta <laughs> discuss. Still, that's kind of funny saying it like that. Lando's pretty short. You wanna, you wanna jump into the Lando? Yeah, really I quick? will run through. It has been officially confirmed that brothers, that brothers Donald and Stephen Glover are set to write the Disney Plus Lando series, as Justin Simeon is no longer attached to the project. I am a huge fan of the series Atlanta. If people have not had a chance to watch it yet, I, I highly recommend it. It will give you a really good idea into the way Donald Glover's mind works as like a writer and producer. Um, I cannot, I cannot wait to see Donald Glover's like creativity expressed through Star Wars. That's going to be amazing. Is he known to be like a Star Wars fan? Like, do do we know that he's like? Uh... I think so. Given how the character was in like community and yeah, okay. I'd say that Donald Glover's a Star Wars fan. Okay, I think I he mean, loved playing Lando. He I think really, so too. really loved playing Lando. He freaking killed it. It was so good. Oh, so, so good. Yeah. Um, that's. I think that's good news. The one thing I think is is going unfortunately back to executives and such is the way Lucasfilm, you know, informed air quotes here, uh, Justin Simeon that he's no longer working on the series was pretty crappy. He found out when it was announced that Donald Glover and what's his brother's name? Stephen. Stephen Glover were were working on the Lando series. That's how he found out he wasn't on the project anymore. I'm like, damn. I've got a feeling that's happened a few times with a couple of other things, potentially possibly Star Wars related. I feel like that scenario rings some bells. I think it's very typical in Hollywood. Not that that excuses it, but I, I think it's like a typical thing that happens, but it's is pretty shady. This, is this like the Montreal screw job of Hollywood? That's what it feels like. Bret Hart screwed Bret Hart. <laughs> God, we haven't had a wrestling reference in a long time. <laughs> I know. I thought I needed to dust one off, and that's that's a, a one of my favorites. Perfect timing for that one. So yeah, <laughs> it does kind of feel like that. But I, I think I don't really know much about Justin Simeon, so I can't really speak for his work. But I think that uh, what Donald Glover said recently about it would have to be like it was almost like the same thing. Um, What's his face just recently said? Finn, uh, John Boyega mm. has to be like the right story, the right situation and all of that. Yes. And I think Donald Glover has said that repeatedly about a Lando series. So I think he's I feel like he'll go into this with a lot of love and passion and and make this what it's capable of being. Oh, um, absolutely. If anyone is good enough for that job, I really do think Donald Glover fills every part that needs to be filled, especially to carry on the legacy that Billy D. Williams brought to the character. I will be disappointed if he doesn't bring Billy D. in for some sort of situation. Oh, he with has it. to be in for something. But I also wonder if, speaking of Billy D. Williams, if he's potentially, I think you mentioned this, that his he's passed on his likeness and his voice to Disney, at least, as I know his appearance at Star Wars Celebration, if anybody saw it, it whilst it was lovely to see him, his health is maybe not the best at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems much frailer and much. He just doesn't seem like the the Billy D. Williams that I've been used to seeing over the years. Yeah, age and is definitely I, catching up with him. Yes, very, very much so. But they could like potentially do. You remember that scene in Solo when he's sitting in the cockpit of of the Falcon and he's recording himself. They could totally start the series out with Billy D. doing that 
and then this whole series is like that's flashback. That's genius. Get on think, to Kathleen Kennedy. Get on to Kathleen <laughs> right now. Tweet her. I mean, hey, if I'm coming up Excellent. with it, I'm sure they already have. Excellent. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I don't know. Has the lingo changed? I'm an old woman now. I don't know these things. <laughs> well, now now you don't retweet. You repost. So that's yeah, weird. I don't know. Whatever. What it is this Tumblr? Yeah. But I think that would be a cool way to incorporate Billy D into the series where he's just sitting, you know, he doesn't have to do yeah. much. He just gives that smooth Billy D voice out there and starts the story like he could read uh, like a Star Wars crawl. It wouldn't be the call, yes. but like, like that type of thing. And then it would go into Donald Glover as as Lando. I think that it, it would just be cool. Some kind of tip of the hat to Billy D. Um, yes. But either way, I'm. I never thought a Lando series would be something that would happen, you know, because he's a side character. But they just did a whole series about Andor and he got blown up. So, you know, I mean, he was the, he was the sidest of side characters. So I think nothing, right. is, nothing is off limits anymore. Right. But the way he played Lando and Solo was just so effing perfect. Like it was like watching young Billy D play the character. So I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm glad it's still in the world, even though there's a strike going on. But when that's over it'll be it'll be getting its love speaking of the great man himself uh at the same time this lando uh donald glover writing thing was announced billy t williams also released a statement on uh twitter x at the same time and uh it spoke very kind of vaguely about star wars and ended with may the force be with you and obviously people got very excited and started connecting that maybe this was to do with the lando series i'm here to confirm sadly not yet but Billy D. Williams is uh, releasing an upcoming memoir titled What Have We Here? Portrait of a Life, featuring his iconic character Lando brandishing the classic sky blue cape on the cover. I am very excited to add this to my collection of Star Wars autobiographies. Is that the actual title of it? What Have We Here? Yes. That's freaking brilliant. <laughs> I love it. I'll read it. I would love an audiobook of of him oh narrating. wouldn't that be fantastic yeah that would be great yeah i was a little disappointed that it didn't have to do with the lando series but it still seems like a cool idea good for him uh it'll be an interesting read and i think it'll sell well because I, I, people love that character so i definitely think lando and boba fett are up there with the side characters that nobody expected to become such huge fan favorites mm, very true speaking of boba fett if if it's okay to kind of jump over to a different topic, but you mentioned Boba Fett, so great. this has to do with the Star Wars Outlaws game by Ubisoft. I saw an article on GameRant.com that they first touched on how some fans are like tired of seeing Tatooine in shows, movies, video games, etc. I'm really not one of them. I think if you're shoehorning it in, it's kind of weak, but if it makes sense... It, it should be there. Tatooine is in Star Wars Outlaws. And it makes sense because K-Vest can work for Jabba the Hutt. So mm -hmm. where else? It's in between The Empire Strikes Back and it's um, and Return of the Jedi. So it all makes sense. This article touches on a possibility of this being like a good opportunity to maybe bring Boba Fett into the game and show off more of that ruthless bounty hunter that everybody was not everybody, a lot of people were hoping for in the book of Boba Fett, that type of um, 
not the more chill Boba Fett, but more of like the bounty hunter, the feared bounty hunter. This would be a good opportunity for them to do that in this game. They speculated that he could be a boss battle in the game that KFS has to fight. And I started thinking, I'm like, well, that's cool. But I think that that would it would work for a lot of reasons. It would, yes, give them a boss battle. But then it's like, OK, well, you can fly a ship in this game. So say you're fighting Boba Fett on the ground and then you get into your ships. <gasps> you got a dogfight versus. Yes. Excuse the word slave one. But, you know, you can <gasps> fight against. <gasps> uh, How could you? I don't know. To me, it was a speculation article by by uh, the writer on the site, but I really appreciated their their speculation. I mean, this oh, is absolutely. a good it's a good chance for them to. It's in that timeline of when Boba Fett is kind of more gruff, and you could see a little bit of that in the game, maybe. Or um, I think they actually did spe- uh, mention too that there, I think you can. I don't know if I wrote that down. You can maybe betray Jabba in the game. <gasps> So what if you betray Jabba and Boba Fett comes after you? Yes. That's kind of cool. He's going to have to be involved somehow. And we do know that Tamara Morrison will literally do anything with Boba Fett attached to it. (laughs) So, of course, he's probably going to be in the game. Also, speaking of Outlaws, I don't know if you have this down in your notes. The game studio also came out and said that they promise this will not be like another six, seven hundred hour unfinishable RPG. Because one of the biggest criticisms of their last open world game, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, is that it is just too long. Speedrunners like Jedi Survivor down to less than 30 minutes. Valhalla, 13 hours minimum. I it like, is too big and too slow paced to actually ever finish. Like completionists don't stand a chance. And they have said no. firmly that this will not be another one of those. It will have a fairly flexible story where you can kind of take your own path, but still a sense of kind of step by step, accomplishment by accomplishment, finishing a full story. So I'm interested to see how they strike that balance because I love Valhalla. I love anything Vikings, Nordic anything to do with the mythology and i should have adored that game and i was so bored yeah i i tried really hard um i think i actually logged about 70 hours into the game and i was still nowhere near finishing it and and the thing that got me was every story-based quest it was like the same four missions just with a different clan yes i got to the point where i'm like screw this because i'm like you I, i love anything viking norse all that kind of stuff but this just wasn't doing it for me i actually just re-downloaded it on my pc a couple weeks ago because i'm like i'm gonna give it another chance i uninstalled it within two hours i'm good (laughs) that's exactly what nick did he played it and got out of it what he wanted to get out of it deleted it re-downloaded it a couple of months later played it for about two hours and went well i'm bored now yeah I really wanted to love that game. Honestly, talking about Assassin's Creed, Odyssey was so much better. (gasps) Odyssey and Origin are beautiful Ah. games. Origin is, as I was an ancient Egyptian kid, that was like my Mm -hmm. big mythology as a child. So that game was perfect. I've been wanting to replay that one. That was such a fun game. But I think they pushed it with Valhalla. I really do. They did. And I and I think maybe that's why this newer one that's coming out, was it Mirage, I think? Yeah. They're kind of going back to the basics, which I'm looking forward to. <gasps> I, I loved the first, uh, well, the first two Assassin's Creed. Three was okay. Um, four was, Black Flag was just amazing. 
you didn't like it or <laughs> no i was getting them mixed up in my head the, there's so many of them at this point oh, black flag is my like top favorite of all time excluding the ship battles they can get in the bin can't do those oh really see that i would just zone out and just do like pirate ship attacks all the time and listen to the guys singing along and i heard that they're maybe remastering or remaking that which i'm all for i i loved that game Please. so much yeah uh, Unity might have been the face you were making. Unity wasn't that good, but it was like it was playable. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Valhalla was just yeah. I know we're not talking about Star Wars anymore, but <laughs> Valhalla was. I was so excited when it was announced, and then it just for me it was just a dud. I'd give it like a five out of ten. I agree. Since we're on the subject of video games, this slides very nicely into some interesting Jedi Survivor news, which I think people have been quite surprised by. Um, we were originally told that Jedi Survivor would be a new-gen-only uh, game, and it's being released on PS4 and Xbox One. That's so weird. Um, Thrawn the Exile, if you're listening, you're probably going to be pissed. He just messaged me few days ago saying he's finally getting a series X <laughs> because uh, I don't know if it's just because he wanted to play Jedi Survivor but that was like big on the list and mm -hmm. could have saved himself some bucks I guess but, but they didn't say when it's coming out for those did they no I don't think there's been yeah. any any dates for that particularly just that it is it is coming but that's cool for people that haven't jumped into oh, this massively. Gen, so. I'm I'm aware these like next gen consoles are very expensive and quite a lot of investment yeah, especially when you buy two of them within six months. Who? What? No. Yeah, I'm, I'm an idiot. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I mention? I did say I wanted to play Final Fantasy 16 really bad. That's why I bought the PS5. I'm just not into it. Do you like, not I'm like just, it? I don't know. It's just it's boring so far. I'm trying really hard. The as far as I want to say, the graphics on the PS5 are pretty effing good i don't want to mm. say they're better than the series x but they're definitely close or better the uh, graphical performance is exceptional and very very stable we've never had issues with like dropping frame rates even when running like cyberpunk mm. full ray tracing graphics up the wazoo it's a, it's a great system um but yeah that's cool that, that people get to play they're probably wanting more sales for the game so they're like yeah we'll throw it on last gen yeah. consoles and I mean, it makes sense for both ways. Yeah, you know, let other people play it that don't want to spend the six, you know, five, six hundred dollars on a new console. And uh, we were talking a little about Outlaws. Was there anything else about it, or was that pretty much? I think that was everything that I saw. Okay. I appreciate that we're getting this kind of consistent sort of trickle mm -hmm. of news, rather than it being, oh my god, massive announcement. Here's the trailer, and then complete silence. Right. We're sort of getting these these drips and drabs of keeps the keeps the appetite going, doesn't it? It does, it does. And I'm glad that they're not gonna make it Valhalla style, so that helps a ton. Uh I only have one other thing on, on my list. I don't know if you wanna jump into that or if you had anything else that you wanted to do first or Um, I have I have some Soku news, I have some some anthology novel news, some Star Wars comic stuff. So you pick. I might have to buy a new uh, stand for my microphone. It's like, watch. 
Oh, dear. I might be able to tighten that, but obviously not while we're recording. Why don't we jump into this? It's season four Mandalorian news that I saw on BestmanBulletin.com, which they're apparently pretty reputable. It looks like in this, I guess I probably could have chimed in when we were talking about the strike stuff. This is very dependent on the strike uh, situation. They could potentially take season four of Mando. And if there is a season two of Ahsoka, combine the two into a theatrical release due to like time timing of the other theatrical films. Apparently they want to do season four of Mando and another season of Ahsoka. Maybe this isn't from Bespin Bullets and this was from a different source that I did not write down. Maybe another season of Book of Boba Fett before yeah. that uh, Dave Filoni film that they're you know, talking about doing. Now they're saying if the strike goes on too long and it pushes a lot of production back, they might take these two seasons of uh, Mando and Ahsoka season two combine them into a theatrical release, which would mean Favreau and Filoni get two theatrical releases. This one, right. And then, you know, the one that Filoni's running, it's all like, uh, let me find the piece in here before I talk out of my butt. Uh, (laughs) It is okay. goes on to say that it's like an option. But it appears Lucasfilm and Disney are a fan of the idea regardless. But as of the article, there's no word on what Favreau or Filoni think of it, whether we even get any feedback from them. Who knows? Uh, But it all really just it depends on how far back production of everything gets pushed due to all the strikes going on. I'd like the idea. But at the same time, I worry that they're going to do another I hate to say it because I know people loved season three of Mando. It was my least favorite out of the seasons of Mando so far. But Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like they kind of tossed some stuff aside to rush the story a little bit. Yes, I I agree. Yeah, and like they fit in things from that Rangers of the New Republic scripts that they had set up when that show got dropped. So uh, that's my only concern is if they try to squeeze too much in that pops a bunch of good stuff out to make it happen. But I do like the idea of Mando on the big screen would be freaking awesome regardless. <laughs> so uh, I like the idea, but we'll just have to kind of wait and see if, um, you know, if this becomes a thing due to the strikes. Given what Iga said about uh, Disney pulling back on their kind of TV productions and reducing budgets, potentially, it makes sense that things are going to sort of be combined mm-hmm. and pulled together. I would be absolutely fine with seeing Pedro Pascal and Rosario Dawson on the big screen doing Ahsoka and Mando. That would be absolutely incredible. Dave yeah. Filoni and John Favreau are worth their weight in gold when it comes to their filmmaking and TV making. So go ahead. I, mean, I think Favreau that's alone. potentially a really sensible way of going forward with strike action. Yeah, I agree. Well, there's one thing that I was kind of questionable about, questionable about was that if it's due to like time constraints as far as their other theatrical releases and all of that, what really is the difference between doing, say, season four of Mando on Disney Plus as opposed to doing a theatrical release? To me, a movie is going to take more time. 
there's going to be rewrites of scripts and and that sort of thing to make it all make sense. But true, it it feels like potentially a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Also, possibly I'm aware like Best in Bulletin are relatively reputable. They have a pretty good track record, and and we take all of these things with a pinch of salt. It does sort of sound like the fan dream. Mm. Oh, oh, they're not going to be able to do it all the way they wanted. So they're going to combine everything and it's going to be wonderful. And it's going to be all of our favorite characters all together. And they're going to skip off into the sunset and everybody lived happily ever after. True. I could see that. <laughs> we are we are guilty of that as fans a little bit, especially for Star Wars being like, oh, this. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, it's all really just a wait and see situation at this point. I don't like waiting. I'm not a patient person. <laughs> I, I don't have an ounce of Palpatine in me. I really don't. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of I'm both, really. Like, I I can't wait, but I want it to be good, so I will wait. I'm with Lido on a lot of that stuff where some of it just feels rushed lately to where the Very quality rough. is dropped. And or felt committed and or felt dedicated. But I think that was partly Tony Gilroy. I think that was the, the kind of energy that he brought to it where no... I, I will handle this like it is the most artistic piece of cinema you've ever seen in your entire life and it will be treated with the respect it deserves. <laughs> Do you get the feeling that he had something built into his contract with Lucasfilm where they couldn't intervene or interfere or whatever because sometimes I feel like they do a lot of that with these other series like Mando and all of that whereas this like you said it felt very Tony Gilroy. Like, yes. Stay the F out of my way. I'm doing this. <laughs> yes, that exactly. <laughs> that's that's what I think they need to just stay out of the way with all these shows. I just I don't know. And it could just be me being a fan and disappointed in certain things. But like the book of Boba Fett, I feel like they had an idea and they somebody was like, no, we have to do it this way. Yeah. You know? <laughs> put some put some mouse ears on Boba's helmet and. I was going to say, the mousy overlord just needs to be like, here is the money, do as you please. Yes, that's that's the way it has to be with creatives. You don't you don't want to force them to think no. a different way. I think that's why George struggled so much. Mm. And potentially has never really returned to anything later on in his life, because where is the free and independent creativity these days when every single massive film that has any kind of traction or impact is just owned by a studio? Mm-hmm. and the creatives are hired they're not necessarily creating off of their own backs and it's not often we've seen it so much with star wars that people come up with these ideas and offer them offer them to the great gods and they say no they said no to george lucas yep <laughs> you know with the sequel trilogy they're like no we'll do it better yeah no so that's all i really had to say about it i guess i, I think okay. it could be i think it could be cool to see this happen in the theater but then you, you're not getting season four or season two of Ahsoka that way. I mean, you are in a sense, but not. Not really. I Yeah, I guess it also depends how well Ahsoka goes down and what the response mm. to that is and what, what the kind of... I wonder if it's still being released, what the strike will do in terms of affecting watch numbers. I know there's been a lot of encouragement from SAG-AFTRA and other bodies to continue watching the things that you enjoy because watching it is what supports the actors and the creators. Mm -hmm. But also I know a lot of people feel like they want to help and they want to join in and that comes across as like boycotting watching anything. Yeah. You don't want that. No. Just a reminder, that is not the best way forward. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because they've already put the work in on the stuff mm -hmm. that's coming out right now, so... 
got to support them. Otherwise, that just makes it look like nobody cares what they're doing. Exactly. Speaking of Ahsoka, spoilers, maybe, maybe, maybe spoilers. Um, Blurb attached to some new Star Wars merchandise that was dropped on Amazon has leaked the return of a beloved character. Mm. As reported by Star Wars Newsnet, an Amazon listing for an officially licensed T-shirt depicting Hera Syndulla lists a handful of characters already confirmed to be in the show alongside a certain Jedi. Mm. This character is none other than Anakin Skywalker. Nice. The blurb says, stop looking for fashion help in Alderaan places. (laughs) Oh, that was a big cringe. That Uh, went up my spine, that did. I'm saying take my money for them putting that in. (laughs) Uh, transport yourself to a galaxy far, far away with cool new apparel featuring Ahsoka Tano, Sabine Wren, Anakin Skywalker, Mon Mothma, and all your favourite Star Wars Ahsoka characters. So I'm sure a lot of us guessed that Hayden Christensen would be reprising his role, especially after the huge amount of love from the fan base being like, we are so glad you're back. We love you so much. I feel like I heard that um, when he was filming the stuff for the Obi-Wan show, he was also filming pieces yes. for ahsoka so yes. i think they were doing that sneaky thing where like a um, ming na wen experience with book of, uh with mandalorian that they were also filming bits of book of boba fett at the same time oh, right, which she had right. no idea mm-hmm. so yeah i'm i'm down with that more hayden in in star yes. star wars hell yeah i just i wonder where they'll go with it if it'll be flashbacks or visions or I hope both force ghost or all of it. Yeah, really. Why a not? Right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> a smorgasbord of Anakin Skywalker appearances. It'd be interesting to see them. I mean, cause they had Ewan McGregor too. What if there's like a scene of them in Clone Wars time with, here we go with Ashley Eckstein as the younger Ahsoka. <gasps> In those flashbacks. Oh my goodness! The fans would collapse. They would faint. They would. There would be riots in the streets, Johnny. <laughs> right. It won't happen. But I mean, the Clone Wars possibility, I think, is there that they could do a flashback to that. Well, we we seem to be getting more Clone Wars than we originally anticipated because, according to an interview with the wonderful, lovely, beautiful Rosaria Dawson, Dave Filoni has made pre-animations for every episode of Ahsoka exactly the way he did with Clone Wars. It's not just storyboarding. It's not just post-it notes on a piece of paper. This man has gone to the trouble of making 3D pre-animations for everything, every idea he has which really makes me think it's going to be similar pacing and angles and camera work that we were used to seeing in the Clone Wars because the two have to connect. She is such an important part of that story. And it's bold to move from animation to live action like this, to dedicate live action time to a character that we've only ever really seen in animation. Mm-hmm. Joy. Which shows the love that this guy has for yes. for Star Wars in general is to go to those lengths. Um, and it's also showing that he's going with what he knows. This is what he did with, with the Clone Wars and probably Rebels. And now mm-hmm. he's just taking that experience into live action. And I think it'll work really well. I think this guy is super ridiculously talented. Um, are you excited for Ahsoka? I'm 
really excited. I started off not being a big Ahsoka fan. I'll be honest. I didn't right. enjoy her in the first couple of seasons of Clone Wars as a character. She's annoying. Mm-hmm. She's small and annoying. Um, also, I'm I'm late to watching Clone Wars, so all of my heart belongs to Rey and only Rey, and I find it very hard to make room for anybody else. It's fair. It's fair. I mean, but having watched more of Clone Wars and obviously watching like Rebels makes me really start to like feel for Ahsoka and understand her story arc and her connection to Anakin and how she's just as important as all of these other characters that I love and adore. And I, I can't wait to see Rosaria Dawson. She's one of my favorite actors. Mm-hmm. Have you watched, I know you said you haven't watched all of the Clone Wars, but did you ever watch that arc when she leaves the Jedi? It's so good. So, so good. Ashley yeah. Eckstein is an incredible voice actor. Oh, absolutely. Incredible. And a really great person as well. Genuinely just a lovely human being. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I think I've said it before. When uh, the Clone Wars movie uh, came out, I went to see it and there was like just me and I think one or two other people in the theater. But that was the first introduction to Ahsoka. Yeah, she was just annoying. And she was annoying in the first couple seasons of, of the series. But like I've mentioned, I think Toledo, at least we've watched her grow up from this annoying kid in that film to this. Like, I want to say veteran, but that's not the word I'm looking for, like uh, her Rosario Dawson character, you know, her that version, this older, wiser, Mm -hmm. been through hell and back and all this other stuff. I mean, we've seen her grow from a kid to an older woman, and it's. It's really cool because you only really kind of get that with Anakin as well because uh, you get little baby Anakin in the Phantom Menace to old Darth Vader. But you, Ahsoka got like more focus. You know, she got all these seasons of the Clone Wars and everything. So it's just been a lot of fun to watch. They'll probably kill her off, I think. But Oh, yeah. Props. <laughs> <laughs> I know my Star Wars. We're not allowed any happiness. But I love by now. I think if uh, okay, I think if George was still in charge, George would probably be like, "Yeah, we got to kill her." But since this is Dave's like baby, I don't know if he'll kill her off. I don't know. Jedi don't die anyway; they just join the Force. It's fine. They're all playing bingo. Yeah. Force, force bingo. Backgammon, shuffleboard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So a couple of months ago, I mentioned that a Return of the Jedi anthology novel was being released, which is a uh, collaborative work from loads and loads and loads of different authors across kind of Star Wars novel writing. And it's a bunch of stories entitled From a Certain Point of View. And it follows loads of characters that we know, some that we don't, some that are new, and their tales about what was happening through the events of Return of the Jedi. Um, check out uh, the article on Star Wars Newsnet for the full list. But stories include characters we love like Boba Fett, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anakin Skywalker, um, Richard E. Grant's Rise of Skywalker character, General Pride, mm. and even the Sarlacc Pit. So I don't know if that's a story from the Sarlacc Pit's point of view. Um, Interesting. I'm not too sure, but I'm interested nonetheless. <laughs> Are these like, are they supposed to be canonized stories yes, I or, think so. or just, oh, because they are from a certain point of view. So it's not like full canon, I think. it's Yeah, like, it's one of okay. those kind of like a, like a story you'd hear someone tell at a bar. One of those. Yeah, yeah right. Where there's, like there's campfire a stories. truth in it, but it's a bit. Okay. Um, that's how I, I like to think about it. Cantina stories. There we go. 
Nice. I listened to the audio of, I don't, I think it was for the Empire Strikes Back, maybe. Ooh. I listened to some of it. I can't remember which one it was, but it was about Yoda, Yoda on Dagobah, and he was hoping for Leia to be his Padawan. If I'm remembering correctly, this might have been something I heard on a podcast for all I, I know. Uh, pardon my <laughs> language. Um, but uh, like he was hoping that it was going to be Leia because it, like he even says to Luke, you know, you're never focused on anything. You're always looking to the future and not where you are and all this sort of thing. I, th- I think he was kind of disappointed that Luke was his, his last Padawan. Or before he started training him, I mean, things changed once he trained him. But leading up to that, like Obi-Wan, I think, was communicating with Yoda. And Yoda's like, well, what about the other one? <laughs> you know? So they're they're interesting stories. Um, mm. I think there was, isn't there one with Sice Noodles, too? Yes, I'm pretty sure there is, which I will be hoovering up first. That'll be the first one I read, because <laughs> one of my favorite side characters. Yeah, did you see that up? Well, I don't know if it was just one or two episodes of Clone Wars with Sice Noodles and no. Zero the Hut. Oh, yeah, Zero the Hut. <laughs> her, her and Zero the Hut had a thing. Ew. Uh, I mean, come on there. I don't know what she is. He's like a I slug, mean, but... I mean, slave for interspecies like relationship representation, 10 out of 10 Star Wars. There you go. Can't knock that, I suppose. <laughs> you gotta go watch them if you haven't seen them. They're, they're funny. On the subject of all things horrible, because that certainly is, um, Johnny, you shared this on our social media a couple of days ago. There is a new Marvel Star Wars comic coming out called Dark Droids. It is a five-issue comic run by writer Charles Saul, who, if any of you guys are fans of the comics, you may know him from uh, Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters. He wrote The Hidden Empire, Crimson Rain, which is about Kira. And he also wrote one of my favorite comic runs, The Rise of Kylo Ren. Oh, he wrote a that? brilliant little prequel to Kylo Ren and gives me that much needed Ben Solo content. Those were good. I read those. Taken. These quotes are taken from an interview with Star Wars directly. And uh, Saul spoke about the comic and he said, droids is a horror fueled story. It's legitimately scary, especially based on what we've seen before in Star Wars. The idea is that the droids are being consumed by a monstrous entity called the Scourge but they don't reveal themselves right away. Instead, they stay in the spots where they originally were, within power centers of the galaxy. If anybody's been watching Secret Invasion on Disney+, Plus, this is very much the same energy. Mm. Bad guys staying in hiding, joining the ranks, working their way in. The story ties in with all four current Star Wars comics set in this era, which are also all written by Charles Saul. So I think it's like a nice kind of wrap-up, including Darth Vader and Dr. Aphra. Those Darth Vader ones he wrote were really good. They're amazing. He's a really good Star Wars writer. I'm really excited for, like, most of the newer Star Wars comics that have been coming out. I'm just like, eh, I'm not really, I don't care, I guess. But but this one, the cover with Luke with his yellow lightsaber. Yes. Uh, and just droids, like, I don't know. I just, I saw the cover and I'm like, what's this about? And I read about it and I'm like, okay, I'm in. I want to read it. So you will be pleased to know that Dark Droids draws from horror masterpieces like Frankenstein, The Thing and the Evil Dead series, even Alien. Oh, nice. That sounds fun. 
That sounds what? so fun. I am a, I'm sure I've said this about a hundred times on this show now. I am a huge fan of horror movies. Huge. Well, you're in for a treat in October. That's all I'm Ooh. saying. <laughs> spooky noises. Spooky noises. I think that the issue one comes out today of Dark Droids. It does. Right. I think so. I'm downloading it. Yeah, I need to I need to get that totally into it. Um very cool. Yeah, we never really talk about comic books on here, so kind of a we fun do that little more often. I think we should dedicate a little comic book section. I agree. Especially when we record on Wednesdays. Wednesday is new comic book day, so I'm in. Yeah. I need to read more comic books. I do as so. well. I used to read them all the time and then I download a ton on my iPad and then I forget a half of them. Like I have that new Obi-Wan series uh, they did, I think, before the show came out. I read the first two and I forgot I had the rest of them. So. Oh, my goodness. And it's not a knock on the writing. It's just I forget. My issue with comics is that I'll start reading one, like I'll pick a series and I'll start and then I will lose myself for about three hours. And unfortunately, especially like Marvel Marvel superhero comics specifically, you end up picking series that have like hundreds of episodes and I will just go and go and go. Oh my gosh. It's dangerous territory. Well, I you think didn't gonna, see anything. I didn't see anything. <laughs> I think we're going to cut out of here. Uh, we have Ahsoka coming up in a few weeks, so we're getting, we're getting close. Three weeks from today. It is three weeks away. I've got it in my calendar. That's sad. I've got it. This is even more sad. I've got it written down on my Mandalorian calendar in my kitchen. Nice. There's nothing sad about that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm jealous. I don't have a Mandalorian calendar. I'll send you one for Christmas. Nice. All right. Uh, We will catch everybody next week. Um, We shall. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Alex, for the email. Clone Army Radio at gmail.com. Clone Army at Clone Army Radio at the socials. And Charlie? You can find me as always at Running Back to Jackie on Instagram. Very, very good. Uh, we'll see y'all next week. May the Schwartz be with you. May the Schwartz be with you. Bye. They were no wonder. Admiral Yet.